can turn up the power strip. That would do that, it. That's a that's a first. <laughs> I don't see that very often. Sabotage. Um, all right. I believe that now the audio will be working. So we'll start completely over. I mean, for those who could read lips, uh, <laughs> they know what we were, what we were saying. But um, yes, we 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 did get a comment. No sound. We should have sound now. I, I believe as I'm talking, there should be sound. But we are in Luke chapter 15, uh, a very famous passage in Luke's gospel, and. This is one of those times where it's really nice to hear the reason why Jesus tells particular stories. Because um, we don't always get that. Sometimes it's just, as you're reading, it's just Jesus is diving into a story and you're like, I wonder what prompted that. Well, in verses 1 and 2, here from Luke chapter 15, we get the reason why. Um, and so let me, let me read that real quick. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. And he, and he launches in uh, then to the, the parable of the lost sheep, parable of the lost coin, and then what we're going to focus on today is the parable of the prodigal son. But I think we need to unpack what the Pharisees and the scribes say here as they're grumbling this man receives sinners and eats with them. What, what do you think about that, Pastor Josh? Well, I think it shows their heart. Mm -hmm. They don't see themselves as sinners, but they see these other people as sinners. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if, you know, we, we see, you know, Paul talks about it, and there's the rich, or the young man who comes to Jesus. Like, there are people who do think that they keep the law perfectly. Mm -hmm. And I've heard it said that it is very possible that well no Paul says it himself you know I have kept the law as uh, since it, my youth oh yeah you know mm -hmm. and so I, I I genuinely think that they thought they they were not sinful and so it just it really reveals the the condition of their heart they don't they don't have need with Jesus you know mm -hmm. even, yeah. even if he were to prove that he was the savior of the world they'd be like that's nice <laughs> I don't, uh, you know, maybe if it was the militaristic uh, Messiah that they were expecting, they would have accepted him. But when it comes to sin, they they just don't think that they need it. Yeah, it is. It is almost like, um, yeah, you mentioned the rich young ruler. Uh, I think what is that? Chapter eight or chapter nine? Uh, so a few days ago, we covered that. Um, but yeah, I think he he wants the Jesus to come up and you know, give him a gold star yeah. or like pat him on the back or something. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, people, people who are more self-righteous, they're, they're thinking, okay, Jesus is going to affirm me. Jesus is going to, um, look at me as like an equal or something, you know, here's this great, you know, new teacher or something. And I'm this one who's like ob obedient to all of God's mm -hmm. commands. Um, so yeah, I, I do, because I, I do, I chuckle whenever I hear this, like, this word sinner being used to describe other people. Like, from the mouth of one human to, like, you know, disparage another human being. It's like, dude, you're a sinner too. You yeah. know, I think we, we understand that. Um, so I, I have wondered before if, if maybe best construction, maybe when they use the word sinner like this, it's more of like a technical term to refer to someone who is like willfully sinning and outside of a relationship mm -hmm. with God. 
Um, but but you you get off a few examples though where people I think people did have a sense of like no I I really have kept it's that outward thing right like I'm mm-hmm. I am outwardly I I appear outwardly clean and then Jesus says well I got news for you the uncleanness actually originates in your heart you know it's, yeah. it's like, like the whitewashed tombs or you know like mm-hmm. like what does he say you're cleaning the outside of the cup or the bowl but not the inside mm-hmm. you know so it's he he. He knows what they're thinking, so yeah, it's almost like they're—I wouldn't say almost—they're treating the commandments like like a checklist. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I've not—I've not murdered anybody. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well, you know. And just when Jesus, you know, throughout his teachings, and even if you look at at the Old Testament, it's not about the simple checklist of of the commandments, right? It's how we love our neighbors, how we mm-hmm. love God, and so yeah. you know, it's like uh, they're hiding behind that. And like you said, they want they want the stamp of approval because if you know if Jesus is who he says he is and he gives the stamp of approval, then that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. But if he doesn't get the stamp of approval, then uh, mm-hmm. he's uh, we don't want anything to do with him. Yeah, 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 yeah. If Jesus doesn't give me the stamp of approval, then who cares what he thinks? <laughs> you know, <laughs> down with him. Let's You're not invited my birthday party. Let's get a cross <laughs> to put him on. Yeah. Um, okay, so so Jesus hears this, hears them slandering him, really, but then also telling you know talking about him like he's wasting his time. He's hanging around with people who are undeserving, you know, as as if God is waiting to have a relationship with us until we become good enough or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, woe, woe is us if that is the case. You know, it's, um, and that's, I don't know, I mean, like, I guess in other areas of life, like, we do that to other people. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, well, I'm not going to be friends with that person unless they change and become like this. Or, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so so we do kind of kick people to the curb. And I, I think that's what people were doing here. Um, and they just, they just didn't understand. They didn't understand the purpose for why Jesus came. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is pretty clear about this. You know, I've, I've come, I've come for the lost. I've come not for the healthy, but for the sick, you know. Um, and this is the chapter where he goes, <laughs> tells not just one story about this, not just two, but he tells three stories about it. So, uh, so the lost sheep and the lost coin. Um, and then, you know, you have the prodigal son. I, I think, I've heard people say, we should call it the lost son also. First of all, because that's an easier word to remember than prodigal. Um, but anything, you know, just... Before we move on, I guess to the to the the lost son story, and, and we'll we'll actually read through that one. Anything that that you want to point out from maybe the lost sheep or the lost coin stories? You know, these are the ones where basically someone Jesus is telling a story about someone who has all but one of their like collection of sheep or coins, and they lose one, and they put everything on hold to go and get the one lost one back. Yeah, well, I think the one thing that is different between those two and this is that uh, there is a negative aspect to the prodigal son in the sense of, okay, there's the one lost sheep, the one lost coin, mm-hmm. the lost son, but then there's the son who stayed back and was with the father, but, mm. you know, it's not the celebration, uh-huh. you know, Celebrated when he found the the lost sheep. Celebrated when 
the woman found her coin celebrated when the sun came back, mm -hmm. then there's this other sun. And so yeah. I think this is where it really gets to the hearts of the people that Jesus is talking to mm -hmm. is like, hey, this is this this is you. Like you've got a hard heart here. And, mm -hmm. and so that I think is kind of it it's a both and okay. it, it talks about the lostness in what was lost coming back, but also the lostness of being close to the Father, yet still mm -hmm. not having a good relationship, still being lost in another way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that, that's good. Um, and, and as we as we go into, I, I'm sure anyone who's tuning into this has at least read or heard the Prodigal Son one time. Mm -hmm. More than likely, you've probably heard a dozen sermons on this. <laughs> um, you know, you've you've you're very familiar with it. So I I want you know we have basically the the three main characters are there's the father, and then there's the prodigal son, and then there's the other son like you said who stayed who stayed home. Mm -hmm. um, so I want us to to think about you know who do we identify most with in the story? Um, maybe it's a trick question. Maybe you know maybe. Could we identify with more than one? Could we identify with all three? Um, which one do we hope <laughs> that, that we're most like? Which one, if we're being honest with ourselves, are we most like? So uh, try to un unremember, try to forget uh, what you know about this story. Look at it with fresh eyes. I know it's hard to do, but um, let me... Well, actually, no, Pastor Josh, why don't, why don't you read, read for a little while, and then I'll make some noise to make you stop as we go. <laughs> okay. yeah. uh, so it's Luke 15, uh, verse 11. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Now many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country, and he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was, lodging, uh, he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. All right, let's, let's stop right there. So, so far, how do you feel about this son? So we're just, just with these six verses, how are we feeling about this guy? Well... He's a crummy son. Okay. You know, in, in one way, uh, he's saying to his dad, Dad, you're as good as, as dead to me. Mm -hmm. I don't care about you. I just want what you have. Yeah. Give it to me now. Yeah. Hurry up and die, old man. Yeah. Like pretty, pretty much, yeah. That's like what he's saying. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, he gets it and he goes off and wouldn't you know, he just blows it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so... Not not a good not a good dude, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think you know, so I, a window into my personality um, at this point in the story through verse sixteen, I'm I'm like, yeah, this guy, he's getting what he had coming. So I'm like the Pharisees and the scribes, I think here, you know, <laughs> like oh this this sinful man, you know, good for nothing. Let him go eat the pig food and you know be with these unclean animals. Like I, I think that's another thing that's like lost on us is mm -hmm. it's like the lowest of the low that he's like with pigs. Yeah. So I mean the assumption is that if Jesus is telling the story to Jewish people, this is like a Jewish man. But Yeah. Um but yeah, so I mean it, the, the stuff is not going well for him so far. 
Uh, it's a very quick turn. Um, okay, re read a little bit more then, starting with verse 17. But when, he had, uh, but when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, uh, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. And they began to celebrate. All right. That, I, I hate to... Uh, disagree with Jesus, but I would have ended the story right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there there's more, though. We, we know that there's more. Uh, it doesn't end in quite as satisfactory a way as maybe you would you'd like, like the storybook ending. Um, but there, there's a this is a great, this is like the high point of the story, mm -hmm. the celebration. Um, and, and it really does turn from verse basically from verse 16 to like 17, 18, um, what what change has gone on in the son's heart? Well, his condition has, his depravity is, you know, lacking, has made him realize that he was wrong. And so uh, you could say a repentance, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think part of it was the, the circumstances that brought him to that, maybe not the the best, you know, we'd like, we'd like just to realize, like, oh man, what I've done is wrong, but mm -hmm. he still gets there, so we'll, yeah. we give him credit, but... <laughs> yes, yes, uh, yeah, I think um, w the word I was looking, uh, was, was thinking of was, he was very humbled, hmm. and I think some, yeah, sometimes there is a sense in which, like, the Bible will even command us, like, humble yourselves, like, before God, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes he humbles us, though, yeah. like, he, he brings us low, and yeah, I mean, I think we can, maybe we're all even thinking in our own minds about a time in our life where we were at a very low point and we felt like acutely aware of how much we needed God. Mm -hmm. um, and it, maybe it, it might not always be, depending on the, the trajectories of our lives, maybe we haven't been like far away from God or something, but, but there's... There's some at some point in our lives we were the farthest away we've ever been from God, and mm -hmm. maybe it was something as dramatic as this, and maybe not quite as much. But um, but God does, I think, bring us to a low point sometimes so that we can throw ourselves at His mercy. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, you know, going back up a little bit, he verse fourteen, he had spent everything. Mm -hmm. Then there's a famine, hires himself out. At that point, you know, you wonder, um, did it cross his mind to go back to his house, to go back to his father? Maybe he wasn't quite ready yet, hadn't been brought quite low enough. Wasn't, wasn't ready to humble pie yet. Yeah, well, I think there's, there's that pride that you're clinging to sometimes. I mean, we, that's something I think we can all relate to, too, is even, even those closest to us who we know would probably help us out in various ways we might be 
very hesitant or might be like, you know, over my dead body, will I ask that person for help? Because, you know, yeah. especially I think his dad, like what would his dad possibly could have said, you know, like I told you, you know, told you so this would happen or, or worst of all, I mean, it could have been, you know, you're dead to me. Like, yeah. Just go down the road or something. So maybe you're, you're fearful of that. Mm -hmm. um, I guess maybe, I mean, I think there's a sense where sometimes we, Sometimes maybe we don't turn to God because of our pride, but sometimes it's maybe a fear. Mm -hmm. Maybe we don't know him well enough, and so we think, well, he probably, he could never, God would never take me back. And it's funny because the identity of the father yeah. is talked about a little bit with the brother, with the second brother. Mm -hmm. And so I do think, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, how well we know our father mm -hmm. plays an important factor here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think that's... That's very true. Um, and I think it's, you know, I think everybody everybody in on this Bible study today is aware that um, the Father in the story is supposed to be, you know, like God the Father. You know, it's supposed to be God. Um, so, so, yeah, I think we, and we see that I mean, by the way that he welcomes his son back and... Um, this is, a, this is a little bit different than the other stories, um, I think, where maybe we're splitting hairs a little bit here, or I am at least, where with the lost sheep and the lost coin, like the, the God character is actively, like aggressively pursuing the lost sheep or the lost coin. Um, this one... This one might ring more true, at least in our experience, where like if I wander away from God, it, I probably the way that I experience it is probably more like I then kind of wandered back to Him. But you know, it's like who knows exactly how? I mean, I mean, we we know theologically that God is the one like always moving toward us. You know, God yeah. reaches to us when we're lying in the mud eating the pig slop. You know, and like He's pulling us out. Um, but here it does the way that it plays out is the the son does go home, although the father does does meet him out there. I, you know, yeah. I was gonna say. So I feel like the the prodigal son, possibly more than anything else in the Bible, we add the most to. Not in a bad way. Yeah, I, but like, I agree. You know, because what what I mean by that is the father. Um, but while he was still a long way off, the father saw him. And so, like, that means, mm -hmm. you know, we take that as he, the father was looking for him. You know, in a lot of retellings, like, the, you know, the narrator will say, you know, the father looked for him every day. You know, mm -hmm. he never gave up. You know, so yeah, yeah. doing a little bit of, of poetic licensing, you mm -hmm. know, a little bit of, uh, you know, filling in the, the gaps to paint a be, uh, more detailed story. But the father was, was looking for him. Mm -hmm. And then the father running after him like that's you know in those days if you were important you didn't run like mm -hmm. people waited until you got there and i've heard it said too like he would have had to have hiked up his dress yeah so to speak mm -hmm. exposing himself which would have brought shame mm -hmm. on him yeah he didn't care yeah yeah and yeah it's like like all the inhibitions you know it's just you know all bets are off mm -hmm. he's so overjoyed mm-hmm um, yeah, no, I, I agree. There is some poetic license being taken. Yeah, I know. I, I think it does. It, it hit the tugs at your heartstrings more when you have this image of like the dad 
going out to a certain place on his property and like looking down the road to see mm-hmm. is anybody coming? Nope, not today. You know, um, and yeah, yes, yeah. that that would that's a powerful detail that that we add <laughs> to yeah. the story sometimes. <laughs> but either way, this this image, I mean, this is like. Um, you know, Hollywood can't craft a better <laughs> scene than this. Yeah. Like the, the running, the embracing, the kissing, and then, um, you know, it's kind of funny. It's like the the son is rehearsing what he wants to say, and he and he does he does get most of it out. Yeah. But I, I think that it it's kind of funny that he still he still says the same thing even after like this you know, tackle, hug, and embrace. Mm-hmm. He still, like, says his prepared statement. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, no, I think that <laughs> highlights something in a, in a lot of us. You know, maybe, yeah. not, maybe not so much before God, because I think, you know, especially for those of us who are lifelong Christians, mm-hmm. for better or for worse, we've got a familiarity and, a, like, a comfort level with God. Mm-hmm. But, like, when we've, like, messed up against somebody, mm-hmm. like, we want to make sure that we've... Like we want to make sure that we're good. Yeah, you know? that's like, true. Like even after somebody said I forgive you, it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I, I believe you, but I just got to make sure. And yeah. I think mm. that you know the father interrupts them. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't let them finish. It's yeah. Not that it's not important, but it's not about mm-hmm. what the son is doing. It is about the yeah. the love and the the forgiveness that the father has to offer far more than it is about mm. the, the what the son does or says. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think that's right. The 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 memorable the memorable thing for me from this story, I mean, is is the embrace, but it's even more so this um hastily thrown hastily put together party. <laughs> that the father is like he's like you go get this you you know and and I um but yeah I think that that shines to the to the top more is like this love and grace and compassion joy of the father more so than maybe like yeah like the the confession or the repentance of of the of the son but yeah I think that is it is kind of like like this formal there is a sense in which yeah it, it is a powerful thing for us even like weekly in church when we do our confession time or maybe every day, you know, I need to at least, um, you know, you pray, you know, confessing your sins and, and you just, uh, you want to lay that before God and then reflect upon, on his grace and mercy for you. But I, I, here's another poetic license, you know, I'll take some liberties. I, I have thought like, okay, the father was hoping that this day would come. Did he, you know, kind of have this plan out. Like, okay, I got this robe. I've got the, I've got the ring. You know, I, I just think like the fattened calf. Like, was he, like, was he always fattening a calf in preparation? <laughs> this calf's okay. like, I can't eat much yeah. more. But... <laughs> it's like, like winning like awards at the, at the county fair. It's like the largest calf. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, they're they're celebrating, and then the ending, I think, is. It's specifically targeted at the Pharisees and the scribes, mm-hmm. um, at least for, for those that are hearing. I mean, I think it's targeted at us, too. I was going to say, and the Pharisee and scribe in every one of yeah. us. Because we all have Pharisaical you know, tendencies and yes. pitfalls. Um, this, this fairness 
this injustice that we, you know, I mean, like, I see it with, like, our, our little kids, you know, they're like, they, they, uh, one kid has a toy or something, it's like, okay, do you have to get the same, do you have to get three of every toy? Like, that's, that seems a little silly. Yeah. We have done that with certain toys, but, you know, it's like, uh, you know, we're always constantly comparing and contrasting ourselves with other people, and it's like, is there not enough Jesus to go around for everybody? I don't know. It's, it's, it speaks to a, a darkness called sin uh, inside all of us. But um, That's a little bit more the uh, ninth and tenth commandment of... Yeah. Yeah. You know, we don't really... You know, so, sometimes it's easy to look at some of these commandments and be like, well, that one applies to me a little bit more, but, you know, mm-hmm. ninth and tenth, very much a, a real thing. Yeah, it's very, yeah, ninth and tenth commandments, so the, the coveting ones, um, so the the positive side of it would be that we learn to be content with what we have. Um, I feel like if I... If I never left my house and didn't have TV or social media, I'd probably be pretty content. Yeah. But then when I, when I see other things that other people have, Wait, see people other have options that? out there, that's an option. <laughs> I'm instantly discontent. Yep. And I want something, something more. Um, and if I think somebody else is getting something that they don't deserve, it just it bothers me for some reason. Because mm-hmm. maybe then I think, oh, well, I should be getting something better. I've done more than them. I, you know. So I didn't go and squander your your wealth like <laughs> yeah, my yeah, brother. yeah. So they're we're just constantly comparing and and yeah, and it, and it robs us of our contentment. Uh, l- let me read the end of this. So it begins at, at verse twenty five, still in Luke chapter fifteen. Uh, now his older son was in the field. And, you know, depending on what your relationship is like with your siblings or, or if you have kid, more than one kid, and, you know, you, I think if I was hearing this for the first time, I would probably be thinking, well, this guy's going to come and join the party. But, but here, well, here we go. Here. So his older son was in the field, and as he came near, uh, as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he, the brother, was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he, the father, said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. That's the end. I mean, we don't get to hear the... What the brother, what the older brother says, um, it's a little bit of like a mic drop from mm-hmm. the from the father, maybe kind of putting him in his place. Uh, lots going on there, though. This is kind of like a twist ending, I guess, uh, that would kind of take us aback if we were mm-hmm. the original hearers of it. But yeah, what what's what stands out to you, Pastor Josh? Oh, that response. Uh, just you know, look like mm-hmm. first of all, you don't. 
common courtesy would say you really don't address anyone like that. Mm. But especially yeah. your father, and especially those days, mm-hmm. you don't come up to your father and say, "Look." Yeah. Um, yeah. But then, really, you know what we were referencing before about how the son views the father. Mm-hmm. Uh, all these years I have served you and never disobeyed your command. Mm-hmm. And so the son really sees it as almost like a transactional thing. Mm-hmm. I've served you. Yeah. I've never disobeyed you. Yeah. And you've not given me anything. Mm-hmm. You know, you've not given me a small goat. And yeah. here's my brother who's done all these awful things and you celebrate with him. Mm-hmm. And just it really is, it's alarming, yeah. you know, that to see the the immense love of the father and then the, in, on, the, on the other side of it this the view that this other son has mm-hmm. and just clearly who the father is and who the son sees the father as are two very different things yeah it, absolutely um, and I mean who who among us hasn't felt a similar way toward other people you know it might literally be your brother or yeah. your sister um it just tends to be more jealousy and resentment sometimes there in the in the family unit but uh it might be a co-worker that you just why did they get the promotion or why didn't they get fired for mm-hmm. this or you know why haven't i gotten you know whatever um there's all different in every area of our life we do this but um but yeah, I think it's yeah, it's it's that not not knowing who our father is, um, especially we're talking about we're talking about God, obviously. Um, so the so yeah, the father is God. I think there are so kind of bringing it full circle then for us to reflect upon. Okay, so who do I? Which of these three people do I most identify with? I suppose. Um, I mean, I think. Ultimately, we would hope to identify with the Father, at least from the standpoint of how we view the lost. Mm-hmm. You know, how, I mean, this is it. If we follow Jesus, and this is how Jesus feels about the lost, then we—I hate to say should, but like, but we should. <laughs> we we should be uh, looking at other people the same way that Jesus does. Or and I know that that does not come naturally to us. So mm-hmm. it's it's a prayer of ours that I think we need to we need to be praying. You know, this is a kind of a takeaway. You know, Jesus, help me love the things you love. You know, break my heart over the things that break your heart. You know, help me be so in sync with you that I view the world mm-hmm. the way that you do. Um, that's always that's always a powerful prayer. Sometimes, like I'll I'll pray for. You know. I'll pray for forgiveness for something, and then I'll pray. But honestly, God, I I really am not that sorry right now. So help me also to be sorry for it. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. like, I, <laughs> yeah. like help me, you know, help me to have true repentance over this thing. Um, help me to truly, you know, be a follower of yours. You know, Father, help me to truly be like your child and be a chip off the old block. You know, and and actually uh, love other people the way that you love them. Uh, anything more on that? I guess you know, probably not. Not the character in the story that we tend to think. Usually, it's like which brother are you or something. But I think we should be also seeing, striving to to be more like the Father. Obviously, that's what the Holy Spirit is doing inside of us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was gonna go to the brother. So okay, 
Go to the brothers then. Yeah, which brother do you want to start with? Well, I'm going to take the cop out answer and say both. And I think... Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I think that we are... You know, we have this duality of we are simultaneously a sinner. Uh, we are a sinner and simultaneously we are a saint. Mm-hmm. And those two things are at conflict. And it's... <laughs> Everybody reading this probably, you know, maybe you have to th- think about it, you know, for the, the specifics, but we can relate to each of the brothers. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, part, you know, how he ends it, we don't know what he does. We don't know what the brother does. And, you know, I think similar to how Mark ends, the book of Mark, you know, the women didn't say anything and they went in fear. And then there's also like the rich young ruler, mm-hmm. you know, these various examples where we don't know what the response was. And so mm-hmm. in a way it's kind of like, and now you, the reader, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? Yeah. yeah. Are you going to, you know, putting yourself in the role of the other brother, are you mm-hmm. going to repent mm-hmm. and celebrate your brother who is dead and is now alive, who was lost and found? <laughs> not, not to make it, or are you going to sulk? Yeah. <laughs> you know, not to make it like a less than, but are you going to continue to be like, well, I deserve more, you know, mm-hmm. and be upset with the father and yeah. be jealous towards the brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a great, yeah, you, that was very intriguing, kind of what you said. We're, we're basically like invited or exhorted to pick up the end of the story. So like, Luke chapter 15 ends with verse 32, but you could you could almost say like, okay, well, verse 33 <laughs> is what happens in my heart after hearing this. Um, I know it's, it's a dangerous thing to make every Bible passage about you. Mm-hmm. That's a, it's really more of a last couple centuries individualistic, oh, not just American, but like Western mm-hmm. world kind of a way to read the Bible. Like mm-hmm. there must be something <coughs> specifically like, you know, f- like I can drop myself into this story. And like, I think there is something for us to take away from like every page of the Bible. Mm-hmm. But I think especially when there, when there's these parables or when there's like interactions between Jesus and another person, I think we are, we should be shoving ourselves in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think that maybe that, that is kind of like a, like an artistic, you know, a form of these stories don't all get tied up with a neat little bow. You know, we don't mm-hmm. have like the biography of every person that interacted with Jesus and like how their lives turned out um, because we're in, in a kind of a beautiful way, like we're kind of doing that too. I mean, every, everyone over the, you know, in history, because we, we haven't seen Jesus like face to face, but we are encountering him still he's speaking to us he's speaking mm-hmm. the same words to us uh, in the pages of, of the gospels so mm-hmm. yeah yeah I think I mean your, your cop-out answer is probably the right one though I think <laughs> um, I, I think you know it, it might be it's it's a little more difficult sometimes maybe to identify with the the lost son depending on you know like if if you if you did not grow up in a Christian family and maybe, you know, like 
had more of a dramatic conversion story like when you were 27 years old or something. Um, this might be like your favorite story in the whole Bible because like you see yourself. But um, we, I think we, maybe if, if you grew up in a Christian family and have kind of like just always, always known God, always know Jesus as your Savior, I think we do kind of downplay sometimes like our... <laughs> mm-hmm. Our own dramatic wanderings away. It just, yeah. you know, it might not be like <clears throat> as in your face as this one. But I think we we need to recognize those times when we do stray away from God, where like we might still be, I don't know, going through like the religious motions of our lives, mm-hmm. but maybe we're very far away from from that. Maybe we're not living anything according to the things that we're hearing or reading or you mm-hmm. know whatever. I think if we're honest with ourselves, we we would see. The prodigal son staring back at us in the mirror, um, but I, I think we also can rejoice in the fact that we're living in the you know verse <laughs> like you know in the verses like twenty and after part of the story. You know, yeah. we're like in the in the rejoicing part right now. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think, yeah, we have a lot to learn just as the church today for how we can receive people. You know, it's great, great that we're all good church-going folk now, but how, how do we view people that are, like, new to the faith mm. who um, don't have quite the same background? And, and I don't know, it, there's just that weird resentment that sometimes pops up obviously I mean Jesus is teaching on it here mm-hmm. um, so how can we repent of that and, and ask ask God again to for us to give us eyes and a heart to see other people the way that he sees them yeah um, so you have a couple brothers that you're like and then striving to be more like the father mm-hmm. um, just a like a hall of fame set of parables here from Jesus I mean they're just yeah. Amazing, um, absolutely. The reason why that you guys have heard dozens of sermons on this before is because, like, if this is available to preach on, usually a pastor will be like, "Oh yeah, I'm going to preach on that Snatch one." Snatch that puppy. Yeah, up. yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, you know, you could do it every year, and there's always something more for us to, to glean from mm-hmm. it. But um, I think that about does it for today, Pastor Josh. I don't know. Do you have any like final? I mean, you're preaching this weekend, mm-hmm. um, but not from Luke. Well from stuff that Luke wrote. <laughs> but the next book in our Read Scripture Challenge, you want to give us a, a reason to come to church this weekend other than oh, just we, we want to come in. The anyway. pressure's on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we're going to be looking at uh, the opening of Acts uh, when Pentecost, you know, the, where the, the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples or the apostles and they, uh, they go and they, they uh, preach the good news in different tongues. We're going to be looking at uh, Peter we're going to have a little bit of a, I'm going to oversell this, but it'll make sense. A little bit of a Japanese lesson. And you're okay. wondering, you're at home. I don't know what he's talking about, guys. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So. Okay. I'm, I'm leaving it at a cliffhanger. I'm not okay. explaining it. You're going to have to come to find out. A what Japanese lesson. Yeah. Okay. You're, I'm going right. to teach you a new uh, I thought a it was Japanese written in word. Greek. I thought the, Old, or the New Testament was written in Greek. But yeah. <laughs> it is, yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. it's the, the one Japanese word I know, and I didn't know it before. I, I knew what it was about, but 
Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm already saying too well, much. You'll have to come. To I'm mind. definitely going to be here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we look forward to, to crossing over from Luke into the Book of Acts, and we'll be in Acts for a couple weeks. Going to see how these apostles take the good news of Jesus and start spreading it all throughout the whole world. So Acts is. Um, I feel like I I grow in my love for the book of Acts with each passing year. I just mm-hmm. it's it's rising up the rankings in my yeah. in my biblical ranking. Do you guys have a biblical ranking list? Uh, you should. You, yes. you <laughs> email them to us if you want to. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, join us for worship this weekend, and uh, thanks for joining us today for for Bible study. Pray that this was a blessing to you, and uh, yeah, blessings on the rest of your day.